alrighty. So this, this series uh, comes out of, this, this conversation comes out of the conversation that Jesus was having with some folks on the Sermon on the Mount. And it's really important because some key teaching was coming forth from Jesus as he was speaking to folks and, and speaking to them about these, these heavenly things, these, these heavenly things, this kingdom of heaven and what he wanted to establish in folks. Okay, And it's so important because we came to realize over these last few weeks that there is an inner struggle, if you will, of two kingdoms, okay? We desire, look, we have a desire to go to school. We desire to get degrees. We desire to get good jobs, which is awesome. It's wonderful. But what could happen simultaneously is that we build this kingdom on our own, okay? And we forget to include the one who has built everything for us, God, in the process. And the thing is, what Jesus was, was trying to emphasize here is he said, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, was an understanding that God wanted to build in each and every one of us his kingdom. Now, Jesus showed us that this kingdom was different than that of the world, a kingdom that represented servanthood, that represented someone being humble, someone being patient, someone being kind. See, this, this is different altogether. And what he was trying to emphasize, what Jesus was trying to emphasize as he was communicating these messages of how we will be blessed, that's what this beatitude, this word means, was that in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. And when you have trouble, the thing that you have to do is learn how to respond and how to be blessed in the midst of of trouble, okay? So as Jesus was, was just speaking this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, we see folks trying to simultaneously build their own kingdom that is a kingdom that is the exact opposite of the one that Jesus wants to build within us, that God wants to establish within us, also a kingdom that we can then transfer and help build in others as well, okay? So there's a little groundwork for this understanding, and we're gonna continue on today. Again, you see a beatitude is to be blessed, happy, or fortunate. And that's how we can be blessed in the midst of it. Today, we're emphasizing verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. We're going to capitalize mostly on this meekness aspect, because I think this is a big thing that we need to think about as a church, as a people, as a generation, as a society, because you and I both know that uh, meekness is not something, you're like, I don't even know what it means. You will. It's not something that you typically see in folks as they try to build God's kingdom, because typically, inadvertently, we end up trying to build our own in the process, okay? So we're going to focus on this meekness. Blessed are the meek. What does it mean to be meek? It's an attribute, okay? So a good thing of human nature. That's what we have to understand. It's an attribute. It's a good thing, all right? And how we'll see how this makes sense as an attribute is it means to be righteous, humble, teachable, and patient under suffering. So again, when Jesus says that you will encounter tough things, you will encounter trouble, us being able to be righteous, to be in right standing, to be humble, putting ourselves below others, to be teachable, allowing a situation to teach us, not break us, and patient under this type of suffering. Very important for us because in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. He has overcome the world, and he overcame the world with this thing called meekness, being a humble servant. So for us, this is very important. If we want to continue to build the kingdom of heaven within ourselves, that we have to take on this understanding of meekness in our lives, okay? So I'm going to give you some context to our scripture. We're going to be speaking out of Matthew 11 here soon, the end of Matthew 11, but it starts before that in Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus is talking to his disciples regarding the cost. What he said hardest them to follow him, okay? And it's so important that we understand this as well. He said hard things like this. Um, whoever acknowledges me 
before man, I will also acknowledge them. And I'm paraphrasing this. You can look it up as well and read the full context. Other things like, I didn't come to bring, to bring peace, but a sword. You know, they were looking for him to come and bring peace and make everything just wonderful and be an asset to their current lives. But he came to cut that life in half, if you will, okay? Like a sword and separate the things that are not of his kingdom and create his kingdom, okay? So you see this understanding in this way of what Jesus came to do. He said things like this, whoever loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. You're like, what? This is upside down, crazy thinking that you're talking about, Jesus. Yes, it is. Because what he is saying is that you need to love me. You need to extol me. You need to put me in the right place before anyone and anything else, even your birth mother and your father, right? This stuff right here makes you understand that this is upside down stuff that does not make sense. Look, I love my mama. You know I love you, mom. She's here today. Look at her looking all beautiful back. Girl. She's like, hi, I'll be here all week. If you want to talk, we can talk. I love my mom. I, love, I have always loved my mom. I'm a mama's boy to, to the hilt. And that's why I'm, I, I, Kara says I'm a good husband because I love her well. Because I learned how to love, right, from my mom. But when you hear Jesus say stuff like this, mom, I hate to say it, but I'm supposed to love him more. And I do. I do. Because, yeah, you gave me life. He gave me eternal life with what he did. So it puts it into perspective, this upside down kingdom stuff that he's talking about here. Okay. So he's saying things like this hard stuff. And then we see uh, John the Baptist come on the scene as a conversation piece here, right? We start chapter 11 with John the Baptist in prison. I think this is one of the most unique parts of scripture when we see John the Baptist uh, wanting to, to talk to Jesus about why he's in prison. Have you guys ever read that before? It's so unique because you think of John the Baptist, again, the one that started with repent for the kingdom of, of heaven is near. The one who started to herald that message finds himself in prison now because he preached that message and he lived that message. He lived a humble life. He lived a kingdom life and therefore he was thrown in prison because Herod, he spoke of Herod marrying his um, sister-in-law, you know? Crazy stuff. So then he ends up in prison. He ends up in a place of suffering. He ends up in a place of doubt and of frustration and of wonder, wondering if Jesus truly is the Messiah, wondering if Jesus truly is the one that was to come because he found himself in a deep, dark place. Even John the Baptist, even John the Baptist that baptized Jesus and saw God's spirit rest upon him and all this kind of stuff was in a place of, look, this is human nature when you find trouble, how you respond. So we see even John the Baptist was someone who was struggling at this point, okay? And then we continue on in chapter 11, and we see Jesus begin to rebuke and denounce a couple of towns. Chorazin, I think is how you would say it, and Bethsaida, towns famous for fish and wheat. Bethsaida was known as the house of fish where Jesus fed the 5,000. And we see these people, Jesus saying, woe to you guys because you didn't repent for the kingdom of heaven. You didn't repent. You didn't turn from this thinking. I fed 5,000. You know how hard it is to catch fish. I fed 5,000 of them. Made this stuff happen, a miracle, and yet you still don't believe. Do you see what I'm saying here? Jesus is setting the scene for the conversation that's going to unfold at the end of chapter 11. Capernaum, right? Jesus' base of ministry, the fishing industry, synagogue and tax booth, a thriving Jewish community, yet they did not have the faith. They did not believe. They did not repent. And this 25, owe to them. So we see Jesus setting the stage for what we're going to read in Matthew 11, 25 
through 30. You'll see it on your screen. You can read along with me. At that time, Jesus said, and I love this. This is our first point from last week. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Starts with praise. I love that, okay? Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. This is Jesus speaking. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. We know this scripture. We've heard this a lot of times. We just read this by itself. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus speaking. This is a big deal for him to say things like this, okay? Like a 30-something-year-old, a 30-year-old saying things like this as if he was 70 years old as a rabbi. That Okay, this is cool stuff here. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Again, someone saying that they're humble. What is that when we, we hear suddenly say they're humble? You're like, ah, actually, you got a little bit of pride right there, okay? Um, we're going to check that for you in just a moment. But he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Blessed are the meek. So how do we remain weak? <laughs> well, we stay humble. How do we remain meek, all right? How do we remain meek in a society that is hell-bent on building its own kingdom, right? That is counterintuitive, counterintuitive, that is juxtaposed to the kingdom of heaven. How do we do this? We start in this way. We seek childlike faith. We seek childlike faith. Matthew eleven twenty five. 25, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. So often in life, we depend on our wealth of knowledge and wisdom and experience that will trump a moment with Jesus. I love childlike faith. I do. I, listen, when I was even struggling with this, this dizzy stuff, the vertigo stuff, I was asking my kids to pray for me. You know why? Because they're not tainted like we are. They haven't experienced all kinds of brokenness and hurt. They believe that dad, me, or, or you know, their father here on earth, when he says he's going to do something, he'll make it happen. So therefore, if, if God the Father in heaven says he's going to do something, well, then I'm going to ask him because he'll do it. But yet we, we forget that stuff along the way because we grow up, we get wise, we learn, we don't trust, trust no one. We don't trust anyone. So we might as well just throw Jesus in the, in the whole group with that. We don't trust anyone, anything. Look, I get it because you've been burnt. But what he's saying here is go back, go back to when you were a kid. Go back to that place where you had the faith that absolutely anything could happen. Anything could happen. Because it's childlike faith that anything can happen. It's just, how am I going to eat tomorrow? I don't, I don't have to worry about it. My mom and dad have it taken care of. All of a sudden, bring, magically appears on the table. You know what I'm saying, moms? That's not true. <laughs> not at all. Especially moms. Some dad's cooking. You know, too. That's not true. That's some hard work to make it smell that good, okay? All right? And maybe even taste that good, all right? But the thing is, it's that childlike faith that what we ask for will appear and will happen. We need this. We need this because what happens, Father, dependent upon him. It makes us dependent upon Father God, Abba Father, versus ourselves because we believe that daddy can do it. Is that good? Daddy can do it. That's the key, okay? 
Meekness remains as we know the one who knows the one. This is important. Meekness remains as we know the one who knows the one. Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27. All things have been committed to me by my father. All right, we start seeing a relationship, okay, to my father. No one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son. Do you see this kind of relationship happening here? Because they see life in a different way because they are 100% God, if you will, and then you have Jesus as 100% man. But no one knows this relationship but them, okay? But what's key for us, listen to this, okay? And no one knows the father except the son and those whom the son chooses to reveal him. I love this beautiful understanding here that Jesus has chosen to reveal God to us. Isn't that cool? That no one knows them, but we know the one who knows the one. I remember when I was a kid, um, mom thought I was perfect, okay? Um, Thank you for that. Um, I got a trophy for everything I did. That's a joke. Um, But I remember one time I... uh, I had this car that I bought for $400. You may have heard about it before, but it was a Subaru XT. Okay, this was a two-wheel drive Subaru XT. You guys know about Subarus because y'all grew up here in West Virginia, all right, and in this area surrounding West Virginia where you need all-wheel drive. Well, this was a two-wheel drive, okay, and the inside of this bad boy looked like a spaceship. It was awesome. Everybody seen an XT? Look it up online later. It's amazing. It's just like a cheese wedge, okay? So this car was fun for me because I bought it myself. It was a manual transmission, and I just loved it, okay? And I felt like I was space odyssey every time I got in it with the cockpit stuff and all that. Well, one time, I had the bright idea. It was a great idea to go up to the JCPenney parking lot, okay? JCPenney, they're not even there anymore, okay? But I remember I'm going up to JCPenney, and I, I can't do donuts because I'm in a front-wheel drive car. So what I'll do is put it in reverse. <laughs> what I'll do is put it in reverse, right? And then I'll just kick it. Well, I failed to turn off my lights. So a police officer decided to come up and reprimand this 16-year-old boy, okay? And here's the thing, though. I went to jail for six... No. He said, he said, are you Big John's boy? You John Myers' boy? I'm like, yes, sir. You know, all of a sudden, I'm like turning to a little, a little, little crybaby at that moment. He said, he said, boy, you better get on home, all right? And you know what I did? I got right on home, parked the car, and then I think like two weeks later, I wrecked the car, ran in the back of somebody, okay? But <laughs> I, I knew the one. It was so important. I knew the one that could help me in this situation, obviously. Was I wrong? Absolutely. Okay, did I get grace? Praise God. Was I stupid? Absolutely. Did I learn? For the most part, okay? (laughs) But knowing the one was so important there. My daddy, and they knew my daddy, and I knew my daddy, and this just worked out for me. It's so important for us to have an understanding of our Father, of Jesus, To know the one who knows the one. What does it mean to know? To have understanding of, to become familiar with. When you know them, you know who they are and what they offer to a relationship, right? To be aware of the truth, right, or factuality. Be convinced or certain of. To know. So important for us to know Jesus and all that he did for us. Because what that does is he reveals himself and reveals God through that situation. Because he reveals to us, chose him as a humble servant. At any point in time, he could have done whatever he wanted, but he chose the path of meekness. 
And he chose the path of, the, of, of servanthood and being low. And for us, we need to choose that path as well. But it's so hard sometimes because we want to do what we want to do. I just want to go and spend, 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 do whatever I want. I'd love it. Rear wheel drive to make even better donuts happen. But we want to do, but no, what we have to do is know him in this humbleness. So important for us, but also to be known by the one who knows me. So important. Third thing, meekness remains. We remain meek as we receive God's rest. This is good. These next two points are really big that I want us to camp on. It's very important. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Two things happening here when we look at this, this weary and burdened, this inner toil that is happening. Not necessarily that we're tired because we're working hard, not that, but this inner toil of day after day after day trying to build our kingdom. Day after day after day trying to do our best. Day after day, you get the point, right? This inner toil that it's never enough. And all you feel is tired and burdened. Do you ever look at that sometimes when you're in the midst of a job that you've maybe created or maybe one that you've, you've agreed to and you're just like, is it really worth it? You wake up one morning and you're just like, this sucks. Why am I even doing this? I don't even like this. I am so tired and all I've done is agreed to a burden every single day. And what Jesus is saying is, look, hey, come to me. Come to me. And what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to relieve that burden. I'm going to relieve that inner toil, that, that battle that you have every single day. Because what you're going to do is you're going to become humble like me. And you're going to find that humility, that meekness, that this patience and all this, when you're even in tough situations, is going to help you to make it and make the kingdom of heaven be built in you in the right way. Where is this found? He says, I will give you rest. Where is this rest found? And I look at it this way. I look at it this way, especially with my kids. Sometimes they're just so tired. And instead of just coming and talking to me about what they're feeling, or they're so frustrated, they're so overwhelmed, they get upset. You ever seen that, parents? You ever seen? They get upset and they storm away and they run to their room. The only thing we want them to do is just come here, talk to me. Lay your head on my chest. Talk to me about what you're feeling. Because when you're with me, you really feel like everything is okay. You find true rest when you're on his lap. Abba, Father, that picture, and laying your head on his chest and hearing his heartbeat for you, for his kingdom. Isn't that good? You find this rest when you're close to his chest and the proximity of his peace. So important. We find it when this kingdom is being built. This, the last thing is this. Meekness remains as we take Jesus's help. We take Jesus's help. You get this visual here that's so important where he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. We see that rest again. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We get this picture between these last two points of us working so very hard on our own. So hard, so hard every day. What can I do today to make my life better? What decision can, what can I do this morning to make everything just click? What can I do this afternoon? Rest. 
What does that mean? Jesus says, take my yoke. A yoke, okay, is a farm implement, okay? And this is meant so that, that two, two bulls can pull, okay? Two bulls can pull so that the load is easy and distributed amongst the two. So when you see Jesus saying, take my yoke upon you, he's saying this, listen, listen to me. Not only am I going to give you rest, but I'm going to give you soul deep rest when we journey beside each other. I am going to be with you like none other. You think this humility thing, this patience thing in the midst of suffering and, and hardship is a bad thing, but what it does is all it does is, is mates us together side by side. And you'll see at the end of the day that when you're not doing so well, I'm pulling more than you can because I can pull anything. I'm Jesus. And what I want to do is I want to partner with you. I want to journey with you. I have shown you how much I want to journey with you. I've laid everything down at the foot of the cross, if you will, okay? Because I carried that cross. I've given everything up so that I can get splinters on my back again when I pull the yoke with you. Are you with me? You can't do it on your own. Newsflash. You're like, Oh, you're not meant to do it on your own. We were never meant to be alone. We were always meant. God's idea from the very beginning, let me get them back to me. I just want my kids back. I just want my kids back. I want them back with me. All right, Jesus, go. It's time. It's time. Go. All right, Jesus, you, you built the bridge. You made it happen. Okay, look, Jesus, the yoke thing. Tell them about the yoke thing so you, they'll know that you're going to go with them. You're not meant to be alone. And when you realize you can't do it on your own, you will experience the fullness of who Jesus wants to be in your life. Take his yoke. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to take his help. Nobody likes to ask for help. You know what I do now? Ask for help before I try to do it on my own. Because I've realized many ways that there's so many people that can help me make it better than doing it on my own. Listen, take his yoke. It's not a negative thing. And he's talking to a culture. Okay, and this is really important. That, that was a gregarian culture that would plant things that would grow things. They understood how hard it was to make soil produce. You guys know how hard it is to make life produce fruit, don't you? We see the second part of this, that we will receive our inheritance to inherit, listen to me on this, to come into possession of or receive a right or divine portion. A lot of you guys are like, um, do you know my parents? That does not exist, okay? All right. To receive as a device or legacy, not just about finances, but also a legacy to take or hold a possession or rights by inheritance. See, the thing is this, when we take his yoke upon us, we, there, we will then begin to inherit the fruit of this relationship. What's funny is when we're side by side going along the way, you will look behind you maybe a couple months later or so and you'll see stuff beginning to pop up. And if you were doing it on your own, how big do you think that you put when you in? How big do you think the inheritance would be? Not very big at all. But when, when you and Jesus are working together, you will inherit the earth, an earth that will produce life. 
that will produce life because you realize you can't do it on your own. Can you guys go to Bangladesh on your own? The first thing you ask for, prayer. 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 Because you know you want somebody saying your name. You want somebody lifting your name up before heaven. Missionaries that have kids that are real people. Not just people that come and blow in on a day and just tell you a story about. No, real people. Guys, we, we are planting seeds with Jesus that will produce an inheritance, a legacy that will last forever. The kingdom of heaven. Doesn't matter. I, I hate to say it. You still, yes, work hard, save money, live better, shop at Target. See, I switched that on you. You thought I was going to say Walmart. I went there last night. Whoa. Woo! Do not go to Walmart Saturday night like 9 o'clock. Craytown, USA. When you work with Jesus, you're producing an inheritance that you can hand down to your kids that is far greater than any vocation, any education, any job, whatever. You're passing down the kingdom of heaven. And as you work alongside them as well, you're showing them what it looks like to carry meekness and to exhibit Jesus in everything that you do. It's exciting. It's exciting because we have an opportunity. So if you're meek, you'll be blessed in it, yes, but you will inherit the earth. If you guys could come up and we're going to finish this morning with a time of worship. And I think it's really exciting because we, we, we're going to sing a song, The Stand. Is that right, Matt? I didn't mess it up, right? Okay. Sometimes I do that most times. And um, humility is something where it, the position of it is to be low, right? To get to the ground. To be meek is, is someone that is, that is on the ground, a place of servanthood. Only are we able to stand when we're standing with him. And I think it's appropriate that we end this way with an opportunity to stand in that understanding that we are most like him when we're moving ahead, tilling the earth, planting seed that will yield down the line as we follow his direction, we follow his course of action into a life of meekness, then we'll be able to stand. So important for us, okay? So as we transition this morning, let me get you just to close yourself in with the Lord for just a moment. And I just want to ask you a question. It's a relationship question that's so important. And it's a relationship question, one, that you may make the decision or may have made the decision before, maybe do it again, to, to follow Jesus whatever the cost is. Because here's the thing. You, you will find trouble. You will experience tribulation. But if you are yoked with him, you will be fine even when everything is falling apart. Are you with me? He will enable you to stand above and see beyond these things if you have that relationship. Sometimes it's so hard to do when we're in it by ourselves. So what I want to challenge you to this morning, if you feel like God has kind of pressed on your heart to make that decision to follow him or maybe follow him again, you understand the cost, you've weighed the cost, but you know the benefit, the understanding of someone being with you, that you are in this together is far greater than the fear of, of, of not making that decision I want you to do it with me this morning. I want you to partner with me as we partner with him. All right, so how do we respond to that? If you feel like you need to, for the first time, make a decision to follow Jesus, all I ask folks to do is just simply look at me, all right, and then you can close your eyes again. That's just, it's, it's easy. And then I like to pray with you. Or if you need to, to re-up your relationship, just when I ask that, 
take a moment and just take a look. And then we're going to pray together, okay? So, so important. If you feel like for the first time you need to make that step of faith, just look at me real quick. Okay? Alrighty? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. If you feel like you need to to re-engage that faith this morning, just simply look at me real quick and then we're going to pray. Okay? Alrighty? Anybody else? Alrighty? Okay, let's pray, and then we're going to have this, this ability to stand in understanding that God has given us hope. Lord, we thank you so much that you sent your only begotten Son, that whosoever believes, that's so hard for us to understand, that all it takes is to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So often we struggle like John did and we find ourselves in those dark places, even hearing about all of the miracles and all the great things that Jesus has done. All we see is the prison of our life around us. But today we are experiencing true freedom in you. And we thank you for that because we believe we have that childlike faith that it can happen. We believe that this morning with everything in us, God. Lord, some of us find ourselves with hopes dashed, filled with fear. And I pray, God, this morning that we would feel an overwhelming sense of peace that comes with our relationship with you. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that we know Jesus in this moment, and he knows you, and we are known by him. We thank you that we can find rest in you, soul deep rest. And we thank you that you will journey with us, that we will receive your help every single step of the way. And for that this morning, we have reason to stand. And we can stand because you are standing with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. We love you, Lord. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would this morning stand with me as we conclude. If you would like to pray or talk about anything as we conclude this time, you could slot up as they sing or as folks leave this morning, all right? But take this moment and worship. Celebrate what Jesus has done in your life. You stood before creation. 